us here this morning. Uh, Lord, time is short, but Lord, I ask you please to guide my mind and my thoughts. Lord, I, I believe this is a very important message, but very important to the cause of Christ in this, this time in, in the world in which we live. So, Father, I ask you for your, your spirit guidance. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me and direct me. And then, Father, I ask you to wrap your arms around this place as a mighty hedge of protection. Keep us safe, Lord. Turn back the evil that would try to snatch away truth today, that would try to destroy what we do today. And, Father, I pray for those that are hurting and suffering today uh, from our church that w- want to be here, but they're, they're sick, they're, they're hurting, they're in pain. Lord, I pray that you be with them and relieve that now for them. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Through, um, just, a, just a thought. The, the word fear is used 400 times in the Bible. But this was very unique to me as I began to study this out. This word fear, we're not given to the spirit of fear. That word fear is used only once. Only one time is this word fear used. And so it's got a unique definition different from every other word fear in the Bible. And so, uh, and there's something else unique about this verse. It says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now, I want you to understand, that's a definite article. It's not a spirit of fear. It's the spirit of fear. And so it's a, it's a very specific word for fear, but it's also that means it's a very specific spirit of fear. Now, I don't want to get spooky here, but I, I just want, this is what, as we study this out, this is what we find. And so, it, now, by, by definition, when you look up that spirit, and of course, spirit in the Bible is used many different ways, but in that definition, this word spirit, it, is, it, it has the implication of a, a demonic spirit. And so it has a, a specific spirit that brings a certain kind of fear to us. And this was what's unique about this passage this certain kind of fear is a, is a timidity kind of fear. It's a, forgive me, it's a cowardice kind of fear. Now, when you really start to look at this in context, you realize what Paul was really saying to Timothy. This was a very specific thing that he was saying. See, verse 7, we commonly use this verse, and we use it to apply to to every kind of fear that we may face, you know, you, anything that might frighten you or, or you, you're fearful. Oh, look, uh, we, we look at it and we say, okay, uh, uh, Brother Felton could be fearful of the diagnosis, but that's not the fear that's being talked about here. The fear that's being talked about here is a, a, a very unique kind of fear, a very unique situation. It's just, uh, so today I want to look at the context. I'm going to sort of break this down. They're a little bit different, almost like a Wednesday night, but I'm going to have to do it very quickly. But Paul is addressing his disciple, Timothy. Now, he calls him a son, and, and so he's more, even more than a disciple. He's a convert. You see, Today, when we have such a person that we work with, we might call them a Timothy. Uh, but uh, what we're saying is Timothy is this, this 
student, this disciple of Paul. Paul has been teaching and been discipling Timothy. But he's, more, he's even closer than that because he's a son. He called Timothy his son, most likely meaning that Paul won Timothy to Christ. And then Timothy then became Paul's disciple, started following in Paul's footsteps. Verse, verse 2 says, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is not a generic statement that he's making here. This is in reality, I believe, a prayer uh, for uh, Paul, and Paul's using this. He's saying, I'm praying for you. Grace, mercy, and peace is, must be, this is what you need, Timothy. Why? Because he's about to deal with an issue that's going on in Timothy's life. Now, I'm not going to be able to explain to you how Paul knew that this was going on, but somehow he did, and we'll see this through the entire passage. But he knows this is happening. He knows this issue is going on in, in his life. And so he says that you need grace and mercy. You need to experience God's grace. You need to experience God's mercy. You need to recognize it in your life because once you do, you'll have peace. If you really understand the grace of God, if you really understand the mercy of Almighty God, he said, you know what that's going to lead you to? Peace. Now, again, I hate to use it, but that's why Brother Felton stand up here and t- try and encourage all of us to praise the Lord because he's understood a lifetime of God's grace and God's mercy, and therefore he, st- he stands here, he stands up here, he sits here with peace. So these were, as even uh, Titus, he's going to say the same statement to, but you know, they were his disciples, his sons. They had entered into the same battle uh, that, for the Lord that Paul was in. So Paul understood the battle that they were in. Paul understood what they were enduring. And honestly, to stand for the Lord at that time period is a lot tougher than to stand for the Lord today. I mean, we, we think it's a little tough today, but it's not. Uh, we, we take some little verbal abuse here and there, but we don't really get attacked. Now, some places in the world, they understand what Paul's facing. Uh, but we really don't hear. And, but they needed God's grace and, and peace and, uh, and mercy. All of us need to have that. And all of us need to have God's grace and peace. Uh, we need that. It's mer- grace and mercy, and we need his peace. But verse 3, it says, and I, I'm really having to hurry. Grace, uh, verse 3 says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. So Paul's concern for Timothy was sincere. It was constant. It was continual. He really cared about Timothy. And now, Honestly, that's really the reason this whole this book is written. It's not like a, a uh, sometimes books are written in Paul's writings or to you know to help the church, teach the church. He's really just just addressing Timothy here and an issue in Timothy's life. Paul's concern was so sincere, but then he says something very unique and revealing. Look at verse four. He says, "Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears." Now. Understand this, being mindful of thy tears. How could Paul, being such a distance away from Timothy, how did he know his tears? Now, there's two things. A lot of people say that Paul's reminding Timothy of the tears that Timothy had when when, uh, his education, so to speak, with Paul was over and the two of them parted. 
And Paul was talking about the fact that he had tears at that uh, departure, when that separation had took place, because Paul was in many ways like a father to him. And so uh, that separation, there were tears there. I believe that that's very possible. It could be possible that that's what he's talking about. But as you read through uh, even this chapter in the book of and and the rest of the book of Timothy, Second Timothy, you find out it's. I believe Paul knew that Timothy was in an emotional turmoil. And now watch this. It says, he says, verse 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Now, now, now listen to this. Uh, Paul's saying to Timothy uh, what, what I, I do a lot of times in counseling. When somebody's struggling and somebody has, has taken a lot of maybe hit in their Christian life, and, and I warn, you know, you all remember when you all first came and I said, you know, you better get ready. You commit to the Lord and you're going to get hit. You're going to get smacked. It may come from family. It may come from friends. It may just come from attacks. It may come who knows where it's going to come from. But I'm just telling you, Paul uh, is addressing this issue with Timothy right now, and here's what he's saying to him. He said, let me remind you, let me remind you of, of the fact that you had faith in Christ once. Let me remind you that you were strong. You stood beside me, Timothy, and you said you were ready to serve God. You stood beside me and said you know God's called you into the ministry. You stood beside me and said I know what I'm supposed to do for God. And what he's doing is reminding Timothy of where he used to be now folks listen i'm gonna just tell you if you start struggling a little bit don't be look go back and remember the decision you made go back to where you started many many times as the battles have gotten harder i have to go back and remember what god did in my life and how he called me into the ministry and what god's going to do and and look i go back and i reminisce I almost always, when I'm winning somebody to Christ or tell somebody, you know, witnessing to somebody, I will, I'll give my testimony. You know what I'm doing? I'm remembering what God did in my life. And so he challenges Timothy. Paul reminds Timothy that Timothy's faith was real. It was real in Timothy, and it was real in his mother, and it was real in his grandma. He, he's just saying, Paul's saying, Timothy, don't forget, you started out, this was real, and it hadn't stopped being real. Now, Satan will try to convince us during hard time that it was never real in the first place. This is what he'll do. You make a decision for, you know, uh, you know I guess the whole world knows, you know, Josh and, and uh, Emily and them are, are, are really, you know, going through this thing. They believe God wants them to, to uh, go into missions, go to the mission field. Uh, can I tell you, uh, over the next uh, few weeks, months, whatever, there'll be times where they'll start to think, rethink, uh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, did, did, did God really want me to do this? I'll tell you when they really feel it, when they step off a plane in Africa. But the, uh, <laughs> but see, here's what else happens. Then Paul reminds Timothy of his calling. He also reminds Timothy of his calling. You see, it says that uh, in verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Paul says, Timothy, you better remember. This was not a light thing. God anointed you. God touched you. God wants to use you. Now, this leads us to our text verse. 
obviously Timothy was struggling with, with fear. He was struggling at the battles, during the battles. I don't know if they were threatening to kill him. I don't know if they were threatening to imprison him the way they had done Paul. I don't know if they'd taken him and beaten him. So I, it really doesn't describe a lot about that. But somehow Paul knew that Timothy was going through a lot. So it leads us to our text verse. And obviously Timothy was, Timothy was struggling with fear. Timothy was struggling in the battle for Christ. How Paul knew, I don't know, but he was. And Paul reminds Timothy that this is this timidity, this cowardice, this in him, this kind of wanting to flee. Paul says, that's not from God. That spirit is not from God. He's reminding them that of the spirit that came upon him when, when he got saved, the Holy Spirit. And he said, see, that spirit, Timothy stood up in boldness to start out his walk with Christ. Somehow in the battle, he had gotten timid. He had gotten where he, forgive me, folks, maybe some of you know where I'm going. When we got saved, you might have had some fire inside of you wanting to tell somebody else about Jesus. You might have had some desire inside of you to hand a track out. You might have just felt good about, you know, just wherever you went, just saying, hey, yeah, I'm Christian, or bowing your head. You know, we were, we were eating, uh, John, Jan, and my wife and I were eating, it, and, and I should have done it, but there was a couple, a young couple over to the side of us. I saw them uh, when they just bowed their heads to pray at the table. And I started to go over there and, and commend them, but, you know, I figured, you know, here's this old dude, you know, uh, as, uh, as Misty says, Mr. Smurf. Uh, so, um, but Papa Smurf, that's what it is. Pompous murder. I, uh, you know, I just didn't do it. But, but you know, maybe you started out praying at the restaurant. Maybe you started out praying when you ate lunch at work. But it doesn't take long for people to mock us. You know, it's amazing, but we want to fit in. We want to. We want to look cool. Be cool. How y'all doing out there? You see, God said, I mean, Paul was saying to Timothy, there's a reason something's happened, Timothy, but that spirit that has, the door's been opened to it, and you've allowed that spirit to come in that's caused you to fear. Fear to stand boldly and preach. He said, that's not of God. It's a very specific fear that you have. The spirit that hinders the soul winner. The spirit that, that hinders the preacher, the teacher, the deacon, the servant of God, uh, the servant of the church, the Christian desiring to witness. That, the spirit that keeps us from witnessing to our family. The, 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 the spirit that, that desires uh, to hinder us and, and bring us into fear uh, so that we won't invite a co-worker to church. Uh, the Christian fighting with the call of God on his life, that fear that comes in his life. The Christian dealing with the call to missions, as I mentioned. The Christian battling in their mind about, uh, forgive me, about giving, about tithing, about offering because of their financial situation. If I give, we won't survive. We won't make it. The Christian who has talent but struggling to use use it. The Christian who desires to be used with fears, he will fail if he steps out. 
And look, that's the fear, this fear, the specific fear uh, that God does not give, but Satan does. Timothy has allowed this spirit to influence him. This fear that he's allowed to influence him, Paul's writing to him. He said, if you don't uh, get control of this, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, watch this, and a sound mind. That means control of your mind. He says, if you don't get control of this, you're going to be trapped. Listen, Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Now, look, uh, God says uh, to, to uh, Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, you've got to understand that you've got the power of God available to you. You've got the love of God that's, that uh, should reassure you that that love is the greatest love. And no matter what you do, no matter where you go, God's love is ever present. And God's power. Now, look, if, if God loves you with this incredible, unbelievable, unlimited love, don't you know that he's going to take care of you? Don't you know that he's going to have you in his hand? Don't you know that if he, watch this now, not only does he love you so he desires to care for you, don't you know that he also is powerful enough to do it? And so he says this power, this love, he said, I'm powerful enough to do anything I need, and I love you enough that I will do anything you need. He says, so control your mind. Stop letting the devil, stop letting this spirit of fear cause you to keep your mouth shut, folks. Hey, anybody say amen for me somewhere? Stop letting this fear cause you to, to clam up at work. You say, I know, you're you looking at me and saying, well, you're a preacher, you know, you, you can talk about things and... But listen, I, I worked, when I went to Bible college, I worked in a job like, I, I caught shoplifters. That was my, man, that's a great job to have, you know. But I, I, I stood up on, a, on a, about a 10-foot catwalk, and I looked through two-way mirrors, and I used binoculars, and people had no idea I was zooming in on it. And it's amazing the things people do when they don't know they're being watched. And so... And so I'm <laughs> zoomed in on them, and, 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 I, and uh, about 40, I think I worked there 42 months, and I caught a little over 400 shoplifters, and, and, and so that, that, that's what I did. But watch this. I also, as a young man in Bible college, I wanted, to be, I wanted to be accepted by everybody at church. I wanted, I mean, at, at my work, I wanted people to think I was okay guy. I wanted people to think I was, uh, you know, decent and just a, a normal human being. But I also had something inside me that said, those people need to hear the gospel. Now, understand this. I didn't do it during work hour. I didn't do it while I was supposed to be catching shoplifters. I'm supposed to be catching shop. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. So I kept walking, and I caught more than anybody else that we worked with uh, in those seven, eight stores. But, but, but when it came to break time and when it came to off time, I, I was able to win 13 of the people that I worked, to, worked with to the Lord. And watch this, I had, a, as, a, as a junior in college, I, I went to preach at a little church. They, they were without a pastor, and they asked me, since I was a preacher in a Bible college, would I come preach for them on a Sunday night? The store closed 10 minutes early so those 13 people could come to the church and listen to me preach. Now, I'm nothing, but I'm telling you this, I had to fight that fear and gain control of my mind and say, you're not going to win, God's going to win. 
We need to be, look, folks, if we're going to make a difference in this world, we got to open our mouths instead of shutting our mouths. We got to be willing to tell people about what we believe. The fear that comes and attacks the Christian is not a fear. Listen to me, I think the greatest fear, and that's why it's so unique and why it's only used one time, it's not that God will fail. For in God we have a miracle working power. For in God we have security of this agape love. Through this love and power we have a sound mind or the ability through God's power and understanding of God's love to control our minds. To control our minds is to refuse the spirit of fear that would keep us from the work of God. If we believe in the power and love of God, then our fear does not stem in the doubt of God's power and God's love. It's a doubt of ourselves. And I'm going to just give it to you. My time's uh, really, really uh, getting away from me. But what happens is, if we really believe, how many of you believe God truly is omnipotent? That means all-powerful. Do you really believe that? That means he can protect you in any situation. And again, I say, Timothy, Timothy's not talking about somebody at work mocking him. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about them beating him. He's talking about them throwing him in jail. So uh, he's not talking about that uh, the other students in the class are going to laugh at me. That's not what he's talking about. But we need to look at this and understand what is really, if we really believe God's omnipotent, we all believe that? He's all-powerful. Do you believe God loves you? Come on now, do you really believe God loves you? Do you believe his love is the greatest love? Greater love had no man in this than a man laid down his life for his friends. He is the greatest love. If we really believe that, then why do we still hold back? It's the fear of failure. It's the fear of rejection. We don't want to be rejected that's what it comes down to we don't want people to think we're not cool we don't want people to think we're weird and we walk in the doors here and we we are we're we're comfortable here because everybody else that came in was also weird (laughs) so we're real comfortable with all the other weird people But when we go out with the rest of the world out there, we suddenly are afraid they're going to think we're weird. Because the world has told them that Christians are weird. They're strange. Well, truthfully, we are. God said that we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be different from them. Folks, listen, our biggest error, I mean, we're in trouble when they think we are them. Now, I don't mean that we go in picking our nose, you know, 
But I'm saying we're not trying to be stupid, but we, we should be somebody that smiles when they're cussing, that, that, that instead of cussing like they are, uh, there's somebody that ought to have a good spirit when things don't go well at work or at school, somebody that ought to have a, a, a little bit better attitude in most situations, but we ought to be somebody that says, look, I know I'm not perfect either, but I know somebody who is. You see, we're afraid to speak because if we tell them we're Christian, then they're going to look at us and evaluate us. You know, it's true. The world does it. They hold us to a different standard. They can lie, cheat, and steal, commit adultery, and that's norm, so it's cool, it's all right. Oh, you're a Christian. You said a bad word. Well, you're not really a Christian. You're not really what you... Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm just also a human being that messed up. The difference between me and you is I know I messed up. You don't have enough sense to know it. (laughs) How do we eliminate this doubt? We increase our faith in God and His promises. We increase our faith by hearing, musing, and believing the Word of God. If God is truly omnipotent in our minds, then what uh, could we fear? If God has given us love, unsurpassed love, the greatest love, then how could we fear? For if God loves me, He is omnipotent, then He can take care of me. So it comes down to this. It's either that we don't believe God is truthful and and will do what He says He can do, or we don't believe that He can do what He says He can do, Or we just simply have to admit we fear rejection. We fear not being accepted. Why do we fail to witness? Why do we fail to give out a track? Fail to stand for right and righteousness? Why are we trying so hard to fit in? It's fear. Fear the spirit of fear that is in the door of doubt about ourselves. Because we're scared to death if we take a strong sand that somebody's going to find out that we're not perfect. You know, I told you I came to this church. I made real clear that I'm not perfect. No comments, Linda? Shut up. Yeah. Because I, look... I don't want you all of a sudden finding out I got a flaw and saying, oh, I thought you were perfect. Well, let me help you. I'm not. As close as anybody else in here. (laughs) But I'm not. I'm not perfect. I'm a long ways away from it. But here's the difference is I know when I've messed up because the Holy Spirit tells me. And I try to fess up and get up and get right, okay? Don't let the devil lie to you. Oh, don't tell him you're a Christian because, you know, you, you do some of the same things they do. Well, let me just help you. First of all, go ahead and tell him you're a Christian. If you really have been doing you something you shouldn't be doing, along with that, say, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to be honest with you. I shouldn't have been doing that. Okay? I shouldn't have been doing that. With God's help, I'm not going to do it again. 
That's why it's so important that Christians don't steal like the other people steal. And I mean, to the extreme, you know, they take the pencils home and the pens home from work. We don't. Okay? We just don't. It's not mine. I didn't pay for it. Y'all love this message, don't you? I've told young preachers for a long time, said, if you fear to preach, your mind and your trust is not in God, it's in you. And you have fear because you know you'll fail. But if you get up with God's truth and preach God's word, and it's for God and about God, what's there to be nervous about? I'm not talking about me anyway. I'm talking about him. The truth of defeating this, this spirit of fear is found, and I'm going to finish this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. And I'm going to read this whole passage, but I want you to just listen to it. It says, Behold, I send you forth, uh, forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. But ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in the synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Now look, he said, they're going to they're gonna abuse you, but they're going to do it. When they do it, you're supposed to give testimony. Don't be afraid then, give testimony. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour what ye shall speak, for it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall uh, deliver up his brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Listen, folks, we won't be the the the. The, the class king and queen, all right? We're not going to be that. It says they're going to hate us. Watch this now. You say, well, the world doesn't hate me. Then they don't know who you are. And listen, they should not hate you because of your personality or your disposition. They should hate you because of your position in Christ. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye to another city. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. He's saying, look, what's happened to you happened to me. You understand? We're not going to get through. Jesus was crucified. Look, we can't even take somebody saying, hey, you one of those Christians? You want a weird... Look, Jesus was spit upon and mocked and crucified. Verse 26 says, Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear that, that preach ye in, uh, upon the housetops. And fear, listen to this, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Listen, if we're going to be afraid, I call this fear or no fear. If we're going to be afraid, we better, we, we better have fear of God and no fear of the world. 
And that means we need to be a people that tell other people about Jesus. And I'm not saying you run up to everybody and knock them down. Okay? I'm just telling you, you ought to walk with the Spirit of God, asking the Lord to allow you to cross the path of somebody that wants to hear what you have to say. But listen, when God brings them across your path, that's when you've got to say no to the spirit of fear. Control your mind because you've got power through Jesus Christ and you tell them about, that, about the Savior that can take away their sin. But we too long as Christians, we've shut it down. We have, sh- I, I, I told uh, somebody just the other day, I said, this nation was spared uh, back in, 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 the, in the 70s and early 80s. I, I read just recently, it was a lot about Billy Graham, and I, I read where it said that in 1980 he stood in Red Square, and there in Red Square he suddenly felt the Lord impress upon his heart that America had 1,000 days left. And can I tell you, during that time, we really didn't have much time left. But he said, he felt impressed that America had 1,000 days left. And he gathered a bunch of preachers together and began to pray for America. And not long after that, God did something in America. But I'm going to tell you this. Let me tell you where it all really started. It started with a movement, a revival in the 60s and 70s of soul winning. Of people going out unashamedly telling other people about Jesus. But today, that same movement of soul winning is mocked. Not by the world, but by Christians. Because it's not cool. Because it's not. The end thing to do. And today we're so given to, let's make everybody feel real comfortable. Well, I'll be honest with you. As I worked on this message for days, I kept thinking, this is not going to make anybody feel real comfortable. Because it doesn't make me feel comfortable. Because any message I preach begins here first. And we got to be more ready to say no to the spirit of fear because that fear is a specific fear it's a fear a spirit that has been sent to attack the work of god not to bring you in fear about your health not to bring you in fear about uh, being hurt or injured it's a fear that specifically has been brought to keep us from spreading the gospel Keep us from standing for the Lord. Keep us from saying to the world out there, I'm a Christian. And if that makes me some weird person, then I'm just weird. Okay? Sorry for being late today. Father, I pray that you bless here this morning. Dear God, it's 